Oh, we're, we're actually starting. starting. It's only been 20 <laughs> minutes, Larry. <laughs> on the podcast. Now I just want to. Are we ready? Yes. Are you sure? No. All right, it's episode 102. This sounds weird. It's not 102. It's not 102? The parent one was 100, and then David and I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Start over. (laughs) (laughs) Is it going in? Yes. It's no, going in. Because it, it was me. That was right. <laughs> All right. It's a episode 102 of the EdTech Loop podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and she's decided not to pursue an impeachment process to get me off the show. It's Danielle Brostrom. <laughs> There's only one way to start the new year, and that's with this week's moment of Zen. Failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Though we do offer a vegetarian option, we highly recommend you have a taste of this week's meat of the show. Tips for new teachers. It almost seems like a weird time. By the way, welcome back. Welcome back. I hope your break was fabulous. It was all right. (laughs) You know, pneumonia. Oh, oh no. Did it go through the entire house? No, just just me. Just you? Just me on my birthday. Oh no! <laughs> but it's fine, you know. <laughs> it's fine. Danielle shedding tears on the opposite side of the table. Fine. Yeah, no one's buying that. That's <laughs> listening to this I at know. all. It's fine. Well, so you know, usually when p- people get pneumonia, it's because they've been overworked and they don't slow down enough and take time to rest and yeah, take care of themselves. That's a thing. That is that. That may have been. That may have been what happened. Okay, but. Well, it's a nice, you know, there may have been a failure and now it's an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. True that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, it seems like kind of a weird time in the middle of the year to give teachers new tips. But you know what? A, a new teacher has started this year. The start of the year has enough going on. They're bedded in. Now maybe they can kind of reflect on those first several months and we might have some ideas. Yeah, I think that this is a great time to think about what you've done, what worked, what didn't work, and to kind of reset because the next couple months, those are your key months for for kids in the classroom. You've got them. You've got this big long haul until spring break. It's a great time to get some stuff done. And I think it's a great time to reevaluate what you're doing. And, you know, we talk about this being advice for new teachers. I think this is great for anyone. So... It's also good for us more seasoned teachers who just need a reminder. Or as my first tip, I want to start because it's, you know, I have to throw this out there. First tip, show patience with the inevitable, inevitable fact that someone with no teaching experience who's never been in a classroom will attempt to give you advice on how you should be managing your class. (laughs) Solid, Larry. <laughs> so, and and actually, I, I do want to, obviously, that is referring to myself. <laughs> but also, you will you will run into that. Um, as a new teacher, you're going to have friends, you're going to have parents, you're going to have... The commenters on social the, media. The commenters on social media, which we'll get to as well. Giving you advice on how you should be doing a very specific and particular job that if you're not trained in it or in, and you haven't been there... They probably maybe shouldn't. It's going to be hard to relate your lack of enthusiasm to their advice. Show patience because it is an opportunity for you to um, maybe give them a glimpse into your world in a um, in a positive way to help 
maybe give them some understanding and maybe help them navigate that teacher-parent relationship with their students. Show patience. My first one, obviously, is don't use tech for tech's sake. You've got to focus on those big ideas with ed tech. So when you are designing technology for the classroom, don't just say, which I literally heard this from a teacher this week, yeah, I want my kids on something techy. So that's why I'm doing this. Like, but do, 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 you have, do you have goals? Like, can we talk about your goals and what specific things you want the students to work on? And she's like, mm, I just want them in small groups with tech. Okay, let's go back a little bit. <laughs> so what I recommended to this teacher um, is that they could be looking at the ISTE standards. Those are those skills learners need to thrive and work in, in life. So looking at that empowered learner, digital citizen, knowledge constructor, innovative designer, computational thinker, creative communicator, and global collaborator, and really saying, how can I use tech to enhance those things? I think that's, that's a great connector. And then I always look to that AAA framework. You know, am I really using tech to truly engage students? Am I using it to really enhance their learning? And am I using it to extend what I'm doing in the classroom? So just being more mindful and not using tech for tech's sake, really trying to focus on those big ideas. I will balance off that with my next one. And I actually have things, which is surprising. I know, I'm it's excited kind of Curate your digital life. Um, and that goes back to that, the word that you use, which is being mindful. And we've given this as a, this specific example as um, a tip in previous years, which is um, managing your inbox, which is great. I mean, it's a way, a way to de-stress, make sure you're on top of it. So much easier said than done as, as a teacher because you have so much flooding your inbox. The best way to manage it isn't at the inbox. Once, once it's in the inbox, yes, you, you do have to manage it. You have to report the spam. You have to unsubscribe. More importantly is understanding where all that spam and content comes from. And that's where we talk about curating your digital life. Everything that you click on when you're browsing the internet, when you're surfing around, when you're on social media is in the end going to come back to your inbox. So when you are doing all those things that you do on your, you know, in your digital life, you do have to understand that there are repercussions for those actions. And I'm not talking, you know, negative, these terrible negative repercussions or anything, but it, it pays to be mindful that if you do click on that button, if you are on Pinterest and you're, you're bopping around to different things, if you're saying, oh, that's a really neat thing, I'm going to subscribe to their newsletter not only are you going to get that newsletter, you're going to get four or five other things that are attached to that newsletter. And that's where it adds up. So be very, I don't know, maybe, maybe the word's not cautious, but it, it'll do about what you click on and then what those ramifications of that click are. Because Google, Twitter, Facebook, their algorithms are set up to give you what you want. And not only create an echo chamber in their platform, but also create an echo chamber in content related to your searches in your inbox and in other places in your digital world. So be very mindful of what your input is in the digital world because it is going to affect what you get back. Do you know where I struggle with that is with discounts, store discounts. They suck me in every time. I, I have this one place that I order from. I order my kids' backpacks every single year. And for that discount coupon, 
I'm putting up with their spam for an entire year. No, that's crazy. The cost benefit analysis, like it is not worth that discount. So I've started doing that. I've started unsubscribing to a lot of those things. And because it's not worth it for that, that 10% off that I'm going to get that I'm going to use that one time of year. No, just unsubscribe. I don't need all of that. And Google does do a really good job of giving that unsubscribe report spam button. It's very mm -hmm. clear. Yeah. It's very easy. And it'll, if it does, if they're not able to do it automatically, they'll send you to the website to unsubscribe, which I will say they do kind of trick you sometimes when they go back to the website because they'll have you unsubscribed. It'll say unsubscribe, but then it'll have the, um, the subscribe button checked. And you typically think I need to click on something to make it right. You're already actually unsubscribed. It's already unsubscribed you. You click on the button, you resubscribe. I, I, you catch that all the time. Yeah. But going back to the inbox, it's just as easy to click the unsubscribe as it is to delete. For sure. You're going to delete it anyway. Hit the unsubscribe and that's going to stop those coming back. But even better, recognize how it got to you in the first place. Yeah. And maybe stop that. Next. <laughs> Next. Um, I want to encourage educators to pick one or two really good ed tech tools and go with it. It's better to have a few quality tools than a million junky ones. Um, look at things like Seesaw or Google Classroom or Flipgrid. I'm loving Flipgrid lately. That ability to have students answer through video um, is powerful and you're going to get more out of kids than if they actually have to type. Um, I think choosing a big site like that is so much better than just picking a random site that kids can go on to practice math facts or pick a random site that they can go on to do this little thing. I think just having one or two sites that you use throughout the year is a smarter use of your ed tech tools. As a new teacher, I want to ask you this, mm -hmm. because as a new teacher, you might not have some of those set patterns where you can look at your practice and go, okay, these tools fit my practice. Right. This tool will actually augment how I do that, which is the way we kind of, we would hope that teachers would go into yeah. it. As a new teacher, where you don't have those practices set, how should I be looking at which tools? I would find someone to help you. I would find a coach. A lot of your, um, at least in our district, I know instructional coaches are coming back and we're seeing coaches in reading and in math. Um, and I'm an instructional tech coach. Um, connect with your REMC or your local ISD if you don't have those um, capabilities within your district. They sometimes offer them um, to help to help get teachers started. I think connecting with someone who has the experience and who you can ask these questions and who can look at your specific curriculum and the things that you specifically are doing. Um, and a lot of times you get a mentor as well as a teacher or as a new teacher. I think just connecting with somebody else who is able to bounce ideas off of that, that's key. And that was going to be another thing I was going to mention. I don't have this on here, but I think it is important. And I had a feeling you're going to go, go to it. A new teacher at the start of the year goes to the new teacher orientation. It's what we can do as a district to For get sure. them through. But it's so much information. There's no way it sits or, or sinks in. As, as a new teacher, though, it really pays to take a moment, a few, a few moments at different times to take a look at what the district and ISD has to offer to support you. Let me add another one. And your school PTO. Yeah. What they offer monetarily, 
what they offer as far as emotional support, as teacher support, as, oh, I need this. I mean, Remsey is a great example. Those tools are just sitting They're there just and sitting people there. aren't using them if they don't know about them. So take advantage of this. They are free for you to use as my services. You know, if you're here in TCAPS, my services are free for you. So a, a free ed tech coach mm-hmm. and extra teacher in the classroom. Yes. Right. Who, what, what teacher wouldn't want that? Right. I um, always find in in schools, teachers oftentimes have a really difficult time asking for help, especially for for small things. And there's always two or three teachers in a school that have a relationship, have built a relationship with the PTO. And you look at their classroom library or the extra stuff that they have in their classroom. And it's just it's just flooding. It's flooding because the parents want to help. And there's oftentimes an organization within the school that does all the fundraising that you just have to tap into and ask for the help instead of, I need those markers. I need that ed tech tool and I'm going to go out and buy it. No, we'll figure it out. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, those add up over time and you shouldn't have to. This isn't a always me situation. This is, there are resources available to you. You should take advantage of them. For sure. And you know, other ways we talk about connecting with others who you can learn from. I I also rely heavily on social media. You know, find a Twitter chat you love. Instagram has become really big in the teacher world lately. Um, There's always teachers on there sharing ideas. I know I follow The Book Bop, uh, Colby Sharp, Read Like a Rockstar, Hello Teacher Lady, Teach Like a Girl. All of those are offering great ideas and willing to connect with people and run through ideas and help you in your classroom. So if you if you're for some reason nervous about asking people internally in your building or you don't feel like you're supported at all, find your find your people out in social media. I want to throw something on that, kind of going back to the curation mm-hmm. piece that I mentioned earlier. Use social media, but if you want it to be a professional network, you have to be very mindful of what you're clicking on and what you're following because your, um, your social media account even though you might have the best intentions, will get flooded very easily with comments that don't have anything to do with your professional environment. You can fall into that hole really, really quick. Maybe even have a a special account for your professional life. Twitter is a great resource for teaching professionals as long as you use it in a draconian way specifically for that. It has, it's a great resource, but it's amazing how quickly that suddenly that feed, you you, you can't find something that's professional right. or helpful in your um, in your career. So it's almost, you're not curating it. They're curating it for you, but recognize what they're looking at to curate it for you. And when we're talking about connecting with others, um, I have to mention too, there are so many great books out there right now that are talking about education. Um, currently, I'm reading Digital Citizenship in Action, the Kristen Matson book, which is phenomenal. Um, finished up Dare to Lead recently by Brene Brown. That's one of my favorites. That's great for educators in the classroom. So I, I think that there are some really great books out there too that you can read. Nice. The last one I have, Sleep. <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. You know what? The, the work's still going to be there. <laughs> and if you want to bring your best self to the students, it's not staying up till midnight or one or two o'clock to try to get those. <laughs> it's not going in on Sundays. Yeah, it's not going in. there. It is, it is making sure that you get your sleep. I was reading or I was going on the Calm app. It's a meditation app, a mindfulness app. And LeBron James had 
you know, love for LeBron James, the basketball player. If you don't know who that is, he had, uh, you know, tips to being, uh, having a championship mind. And I'm like, oh, that'll be fun. I listened to it. His last one was sleep. So during the NBA season, basically around his entire life, but during the NBA season, relatively busy guy, he makes sure before anything else, before any of the training, before any of the business, before any of the games, he will get eight hours of sleep. Not only that, and I think this might be over the top, he will have a two hour nap as well. Well, that sounds amazing. I don't know if that's manageable, but the fact that somebody in that position, a parent, an athlete, a business person, make sure that he gets eight hours of sleep for, and his reasoning was, if I'm not, I will not be bringing my best self to my teammates, my kids, my spouse. If I want to be the best person I can be, and if you want to be the best person you can be for your students, get your sleep. I noticed that 100%. When I get my full sleep, I am more patient and more calm. Um, I'm more like textbook teacher, textbook mom. Like I said, I'm what I should be. And then when I am not, I am cranky and things get to me faster. And yeah, that's that's great advice. That was my last one. So now it's all you. Yeah. I want, I think it needs to be mentioned. Um, don't forget to get connected with your students. Those relationships are everything. I know this isn't new, but it always bears repeating. Every kid needs to feel valued and listened to. And I mean, this is an easy one. It's it's greeting students by name. It's smiling at them. It's asking them about what's going on in their day. Those are the simple things, but those are the things that make a real difference for kids. Like when I drop my kid off at school and the first thing she does is run to the front of that car line because the school secretary is there and she wants to tell her about her day. And I see her just, I see this this woman just listening to my daughter and her eyes are lighting up. Like that is making a difference for my kid. The second she walks in that building, that's what we want for our kids. So don't forget to connect with those students. Every educator that I've ever met got into education for that for moment. That. And we forget it. And we forget it, which is, you know, we 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 put um, our emphasis on things that seem important as a, as an adult. But what's most important is making sure that the child is ready to learn. And I think that's that that is what it's all about. That's what they're going to remember. They're not going to remember that awesome lesson that you rocked where you happen to use technology, (laughs) they're going to remember that you cared and that you sat there and listened to them or that you tried a million different things because they were struggling with this and you were just trying to find something that worked for them or that you cared enough to offer accommodations for them when they struggled. It's, it's connection. I can't do anything after that. That's that's My yeah. Job. I was going to say, it. if you have you had anything that's else, it. I don't know why, why you would. <laughs> All right. Um, Tech Tool of the Week. Tech Tool of the Week. I want just to mention that there are some great professional organizations that you can join to help you. Um, so in Michigan, McCall is a big one. And the Mets Group, both of those talk about ed tech here in Michigan. Um but there are other content area organizations as well, like NCTM for math teachers in Michigan, MRA talks about reading. Um, try to find those professional organizations and join one. Find mentors and 
individuals that can help you with your practice. Yeah. Uh, so in closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, at TCAPS Loop. At Brostrom DA. Somebody's out of practice. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Leave a review. We love the feedback. Thank you for listening and inspiring. That was rusty, but it was good. It was good. I like that one.